You're listening to The Takeaway with John Hockenberry and Celeste Headley. It was a big shake. I mean, we, we actually thought it was something that hit the building, but it turned out it was an earthquake. A 7.0 magnitude earthquake that hit Port-au-Prince, the capital of Haiti, yesterday evening and has caused untold numbers of casualties and devastation throughout Literally the capital. Untold. <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> We're to talk to us about relief efforts as they begin to go uh, go into Haiti. We now have uh, Gips- Gypsy Metalus. He's the executive director of Saint La. That's the Haitian Neighborhood Center in Miami. Gypsy, welcome back. Thank you. Can you have ha- good morning? Good morning. Can you tell me? Have you gotten information about family and friends in Haiti about their safety? Uh, no, I have not been able to uh, get any, any information at all. My mother uh, recently uh, traveled. She traveled on Friday. Uh, this is the time where she would spend her six months uh, in Haiti. So I am uh, uh, worried, um, uh, afraid. Uh, and and everything else. So you um, are I, yet another aid worker who is having to deal with personal grief, curse, personal concern and anxiety at the same time that you're mobilizing efforts to try and help uh, the people of Haiti. Correct, correct. And uh, I heard you ask that question, and as you posed it, I, I wondered about it for a minute, and I, I just know that it's something that I know that, you know, I need to do, and I, I, I would react this way whether or not um, no matter the circumstances, and so I'll f- I'll figure out how to deal with it, even if that means figuring it out one day at a time, you know, one minute at a time. I will just I'll just handle it because I, I don't I don't have a blueprint for this. I'll just do what feels right. So what uh, what are you sending into Haiti? Workers? Well, we were no no we we at this particular point we don't even know that planes will will be flying in. And so uh, uh, right now, I think we're we're trying to just gather intelligence, intelligence around what's needed, and of course, you know, the aftermath of something like this uh, is is a situation that will need expertise in terms of the the assessments. Uh, so we 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 want to know what is the you know we suspect that um, uh, humanitarian uh, relief products are, are, are necessary right now you know water medicines and, and food much like hurricane relief supplies we we we, we understand that um, but we we want to know what else and and someone on the ground is going to be has got to be able to tell us that whether that is the 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 joint efforts of the relief the international relief agencies that are on the ground who can let us know where the priorities are, what the needs are, and, and then, of course, we will respond. I, I know, though, that uh, the community is very anxious. People want to help. Uh, this is across the board. This is within the Haitian-American community as well as the larger community. People want to help, and I, and I think that's, that's a very American thing. Um, and we're going to be giving so, we're going to be giving people ways to help all of this morning exactly, on the takeaway. Uh, exactly. Gypsy, but let, right now we don't. Right now I can't tell you whether people need food, water, clothing, sure, body bags. I sure, can't sure. tell you. Well, Gypsy, what let, the need is right now. let's try to give you some quality information here that maybe you can use this morning. Uh, just sit tight there. Roger Billum joins us. He's an earthquake expert, professor of geological sciences at the University of Colorado at Boulder. Good morning, sir. 
Good morning. Um, a, a Gypsy Metalus is an executive director of an aid organization trying to even sketch out what the scale of the re- relief effort is going to require. Let me, let me throw a couple of facts at you, and you can give me some sort of geological context, if, if you don't mind. Um, we heard a, a report this morning on Twitter that said they sat and watched as the earthquake came in. The slums on the hillside of Port-au-Prince literally disappear. What's going on there geologically? Well, there's a very large uh, fault on the northern edge of the Caribbean plate. Uh, the Caribbean plate is is a, a huge plate. It's actually one of the smaller ones on the planet, but it's moving to the east at about two centimeters a year. The fault that goes through um, Port-au-Prince is moving at about seven millimeters a year. So about every 300 years, you get about two meters of uh, slip ready to go in an earthquake. And, and that's more or less what happened. You had a, a couple of meters of slip in this earthquake. The earthquake was centered about 30 kilometers to the west of Port-au-Prince. Had it been in the center, it would have been uh, more damaging. And in fact, it's pretty damaging anyway. The number of people near the epicenter is fortunately uh, much smaller than um, <clears throat> those that would have been affected in Port-au-Prince had it occurred under the city. Well, let's go back to uh, Jeff C. Metalus on that. Uh, if, if we're talking about people on hillside communities, densely packed hillside communities, uh, really, really threatened by the, the shocks, what's that going to mean in terms of uh, the numbers of people that are going to be affected? Because uh, you have a picture of the city in your own mind right there, right, Gypsy? Well, yes, I do. And, and of course, you know, the, the report or the reports are that there are aftershocks taking place. Uh, they've been, last night I heard that they had been a total of 18, and I also heard a geologist as well as a meteorologist report that uh, these aftershocks can take place up to six months now. And so I, I, I just, I can't begin to imagine what it looks like now except uh, an area that's devastated uh, uh, by, by, by war. If war is the, is the image that that helps us all to just visualize what it might look like in Haiti. And so again, um, uh, it's 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 going to be you know we're going to need help. We're going to need support. We're going to need prayers. We're going to need a lot of solidarity. And 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 right now, if if people want to begin organizing relief efforts, I think that that's always going to be useful. But we have to be very mindful about how those products are going to be shipped to Haiti, whether or not that's going to, well, uh, transported to Haiti, whether that's going to be uh, via uh, shipping lines or via air- airlines. Uh, we-, we-, we need to know that because uh, that that's going to complicate things, of yeah. course. Uh, I-, I would imagine yeah. that monies would be much, much easier to transfer. So that's where I would urge people who want to begin doing something to, 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 to begin to mobilize. You right. Know? Uh, It'd be much easier to let the the aid organizations uh, spend it on the where it's most needed. Roger, let's can you answer something that Gypsy referred to? We actually spoke to with a, somebody in Port-au-Prince this morning who said that they're all afraid that an, another aftershock is coming at any moment. Uh, are we expecting more aftershocks? Yeah, well, exactly. The, these aftershocks will continue, but um, um, most of the damage is already done. In fact, uh, the, the problem is that near the epicenter, the, um, the houses are, are small and, and, and don't get damaged as much as the city uh, buildings. The buildings in the city are further away but have been shaken, and the sort of damage that you see is very typical of what happens in earthquake zones. We're looking at uh, concrete frame structures 
that have uh, collapsed uh, throughout the city. And wow. that's obviously taken out the communications and so on. So I, although Port-au-Prince is, is, uh, is going to be shaken, um, much, of, much of the catastrophic damage is being done. And it's, it's one of these cities where, uh, although earthquake um, codes exist in many parts of the world, they, they're probably not applied very w- well in, uh, in Haiti. Um, I, I mean, I think that's an understatement. Right. What's more, corruption tends to be one of the... Um, the, the, the one one of the ways that buildings go up with, right. with minimal um, with poor uh, construction techniques. Well, Roger, damage. Roger, stay with us. Uh, we'll get more information from you about the uh, earthquake itself in just a moment. Roger's an earthquake expert, professor of geological sciences at the University of Colorado at Boulder. Also, Gypsy Metalus, executive director of Saint La, the Haitian Neighborhood Center in Miami. Thanks to both of you. Our challenge this morning is to try to give you a sense of the scale and the difficulties of launching and mounting a significant rescue and recovery operation in Haiti. Here's here's one example of the challenges that aid agencies are going to face. We're, we're looking for the best way to get in the country so we can reach. We have an elementary school of 140 students. I've yet to hear any word on the condition of the school. A lot of the kids' homes are, are not even uh, built of a concrete structure. We're talking um, tin shacks or sides of... Um, porta potties nailed together. That's aid worker Mallory Thurlow, founder and director of Haiti Against Poverty. She joined us from Grand Rapids, Michigan earlier in the program. Joining us now is Elizabeth First Frank, senior vice president of global programs at AmeriCare. Uh, good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. You know, a lot of aid workers have, uh, and, and people who are in charge and trying to assess uh, what's uh, going to be needed in Haiti this morning are saying it's even too early to make such a calculation. Where do you stand? We, well, I think it's too early to be having estimates of casualties or putting dollar figures on the damage. We do know what the needs are going to be. We've, in, in AmeriCare's response to the earthquake in Padang, sadly not too long ago, right. and in response to the, the sequential storms, tropical storms that hit Haiti in 2008, we know it's a health system that doesn't have enough medicines and enough supplies to treat the people that they need to treat on a daily basis, let alone the additional casualties you'll see from an earthquake. You know, we were talking to a a scientist at the U.S. Geologic Survey uh, who was saying that they can make, based on sort of force estimates of an earthquake, a a casualty estimate that that he was suggesting comes pretty close to being uh, accurate. And he was saying between 1,000 and 2,000 at this point. Are, are, Are numbers like that relevant to you? It's important for us to know the casualties big as a starting point because that represents trauma and crush injury that the hospitals will have to be treating either in their facilities or if hospital facilities are damaged in field hospitals and temporary constructs there will undoubtedly be a vast number of additional injuries beyond that casualty number because people are hurt in the rubble trying to save people they are hurt in uh, in the fact that there's no electricity and people are in a state of panic, and so there are all sorts of follow-on uh, health issues that we worry about as well. And, uh, you know, you did mention that uh, there have been numerous hurricanes uh, in Haiti, and the aid agencies are familiar with uh, recovery efforts for, for hurricanes. Uh, how does that differ from something like this? In many ways, it's, the, it's similar. There will be significant damage on the ground, both to infrastructure, but also to the organizations. As you hear in all the interviews on the radio and and on the television over the past 12 hours, people locally need to focus on search and rescue and rebuilding their organization strength, finding their staff, and so on. It's up to the international community to make it easy for them 
to receive assistance and to help support them right. at this very difficult time. You know, you mentioned that international community. I've covered uh, the sometimes uneasy partnership between uh, private uh, NGOs and the United Nations and other international organizations in trying to deliver aid in conflict zones. I don't know what the situation is in Haiti, but we're learning this morning that the United Nations infrastructure was severely damaged. Does that make it less likely to coordinate efforts in inside of Haiti? Does that concern you at all? We're, we're very comfortable with the degree of coordination that exists both within the NGO community in Haiti as well as with the different, uh, the different governmental support groups, the multilaterals. There, there has been a long history of coordination, and, and more recently, especially as a result of the, uh, the storms a couple years ago, the community's become more practiced at how to coordinate and share information. Has the community recovered, and, and perhaps is it better prepared at this point to handle a, a, an, an emergency or less prepared because of the damage that went before? I think the international community is better prepared to respond. There are stronger relationships. There's more coordination and collaboration and more resources that are staged to respond to Haiti. I don't think that in Haiti people are more prepared because they're still recovering from the storm. I mean, they're still very much in a revitalization phase even before this huge setback. What do you have at AmeriCares in place in Haiti, and what are you going to have to bring in? We have we work with a number of local health institutions that we support on a month-to-month basis. They don't have excess stock to be able to respond to the casualty and the, the increased injuries. We'll be working on airlifting additional supplies in, um, both from the U.S. as well as from Europe, today, tomorrow, and in the coming weeks. All right, so this bears repeating. I mean, there are people listening to this broadcast, other broadcasts, watching the coverage, uh, looking at the pictures. Uh, whether they are I- individuals with family members inside Haiti or people who are concerned about the, the level of the humanitarian disaster that is uh, coming together in Haiti, what do you do? What should a person who wants to take action do? The sooner people can commit financial resources that they, they are inclined to contribute, the better the planning and the better the implementation. So if people can donate, sooner is better than later, um, and it's better to donate funding than it is to try to be sending stuff because of the, the challenges to coordinate and to, and to take what, what hopefully is an enormous amount of international support through a very narrow channel, either across land from the DR or into the, into the airport in Port-au-Prince. DR meaning Dominican Republic. Exactly. Right. Um, finally, uh, the, uh, the nation of Haiti is 80 percent, I believe, or upwards of that Catholic. Uh, is the uh, religious, the church institution inside uh, Haiti a, a place to go to assist and facilitate uh, the kind of uh, humanitarian aid that we're talking about here? There are a number of of nonprofit organizations that have operated for years and years in, in Haiti, both, uh, both faith-based, many Catholic, and many um, secular as well. And I think it's important for individuals in America who want to contribute to seek out organizations that have a long history of operating in Haiti. All right. Well, is there a particular place where people could contact your organization, AmeriCares, that you'd care to uh, communicate to us? We've been giving numbers all morning. Yes. uh, AmeriCares, the best place to donate is our website, which is www.americares.org. All right. Uh, Elizabeth First Frank is a senior vice president of global programs for AmeriCares. She uh, gave the uh, website for AmeriCares on our website. There are other ways for you to get involved. Uh, the humanitarian disaster in Haiti is our focus this morning. Stay with us. I'm Ira Flato, host of Science Friday. 
For over 30 years, our team has been reporting high-quality news about science, technology, and medicine. News you won't get anywhere else. And now that political news is 24-7, our audience is turning to us to know about the really important stuff in their lives. Cancer, climate change, genetic engineering, childhood diseases. Our sponsors know the value of science and health news. For more sponsorship information, visit sponsorship.wnyc.org.